Welcome to the Marquee Lounge Podcast. I'm your host, Shaquan Marquis, and I first like to thank you for tuning into this podcast. In this week's episode, we're going to talk about a few NFL stories, a few NBA stories, and I also want to chime back in on last week's podcast. But this time, we're going to talk about the top five games of the year so far, and the top five games coming out later on this year. So with the intro out of the way, let's get started. So as we normally do, I want to start with the NFL. And this time, we're going to start with Aaron Rodgers. So if you haven't heard, the latest news coming from the Green Bay Packers organization, well, not directly from them, but being sourced from the organization, is saying that Aaron Rodgers is seeking a max contract. Now, that's kind of interesting considering his age. And I'm not really trying to call him old because he's not really old, per se, as far as like how old he actually is. But he is old as far as athlete age. Because as we know, most athletes are kind of done by age 40. Tom Brady is a lone outlier so far where he's played until age 44 and he has currently retired. But Aaron Rodgers is currently sitting at 38 years old. And again, we're not calling him old at 38. It's just old as far as quarterbacks go at 38. I mean, old as far as athletes go being 38. And with both Tom Brady and Ben Roethlisberger out of the league, that technically makes him the oldest starting quarterback, being 38 years old. Now, there's technically one exception, being Ryan Fitzpatrick. So if you consider Ryan Fitzpatrick a viable starter in the NFL in 2022, then so be it. You got me beat. But otherwise, Aaron Rodgers is the oldest, followed up by Matt Ryan. And I'm really just saying all this because I don't really think that Aaron Rodgers is a bad quarterback. I mean, he's a great quarterback. But would I sign him to a max contract in 2022, knowing that he is currently the oldest quarterback in the league? Now, let me just run off a list of names for you as far as who are quarterbacks in the NFL today. And you tell me, would you rather have this player for four years or Aaron Rodgers? So let's start from the top. I'm going to go Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, Matthew Stafford, Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Derek Carr, Lamar Jackson. And then you kind of get to that area where I think you can kind of fit him in with players such as Ryan Tannehill, Matt Ryan, Kirk Cousins, and the like. Now, for one season, would I like Aaron Rodgers? Of course. But to sign him to a mass contract for the next four years, that's kind of insane. I mean... It'd be different if like Aaron Rodgers was a quarterback who came from nowhere and then took the league by storm towards the end of his career and now he just wants that max contract. No, that's not the case. He was a max contract player, one of the top paid players in the NFL for I want to say four to five years in between the years of 2013 to 2018. So why would you need to be the number one paid player again? You already know that having that high contract in Green Bay it's kind of prohibited you from getting some free agents. Granted, people don't like the cold anyway. But if your quarterback is taking such a huge salary cap hit, you know you're not going to have as many good players around you because somehow all the other players have to fail under that salary cap as well. Moving on from Aaron Rodgers, I want to talk about Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals. Now, for those of you who are following that story, Kyler Murray has scrubbed his social media account with all Arizona Cardinals information 
And that's kind of something that's crazy to think about in 2022, right? Because who would have thought that if somebody just took things down from their social media account, that all of a sudden it would become a story for people to talk about. Literally, all he did was remove any mention of the Arizona Cardinals from his social media account, and now people were talking about it. So it became a story. And what is really interesting is it became a PR match between the Arizona Cardinals and Kyler Murray and also his agent. His agent ended up having a memo that was leaked. I guess that's what we can call it. Yeah, I want to say they called it a memo that was leaked. And it basically was talking about the Arizona Cardinals and Kyler Murray's contract situation. Now, as we know in the NFL, NFL is a very high contact, very high collision sport. And Kyler Murray is a smaller guy in comparison to all the other players around him in the NFL. And that may be the reason why he wants to sign his contract early because he knows that he could be hurt and then that's, that's kind of it for him. But at the same time, I wonder what kind of leverage he's trying to pull because technically he was a top 10 pick in the MLB as well. So he could just be saying, hey, if you don't pay me my money here, I'm not going to get it elsewhere. But then soon after we start hearing mutual agreements from both sides, it seems like they are starting to work things out. But what I find more interesting right now is not the fact that Kyler Murray didn't get signed yet. Because, I mean, if I was an NFL team and I was running the team, I would sign players early sometimes, but not often. But here's something interesting that happened within 24 to 48 hours of all these things that have been talked about between the Cardinals and Kyler Murray. The Cardinals have bet on both head coach Clint Kingsbury and GM Steve Kime and signed them both to extensions. Now, to me, this is kind of like a slap in the face of Kyler Murray, right? Because you sitting here having these contract disputes, whether they're real or not. I mean, it's talked about in the media. And all of a sudden, the head coach and the GM, two people that we were not talking about, both get extensions. If I'm Kyler Murray, I'm going straight to my agent and I'm talking to him right now because maybe the agent was the one who decided to go forth with this and decide to tell Kyler to scrub his info and whatnot. And I'm going to ask, yo, what is going on? How did these two people get signed to an extension? And I have it like what happened? How do we go from talking about me to the Cardinals talking about them? And based on my agent's response, I would kind of just move forward from there and figure out what I need to do to make sure that I'm the one that's next up in line. The final story that I want to talk about is that Sean Payton may be going to the Dallas Cowboys. Now, here's the thing about that, right? Do I believe that Sean Payton can be a good head coach anywhere else in the NFL without Drew Brees being his quarterback? The answer to that question is yes. I believe that he is a good offensive mind, maybe even a brilliant offensive mind and can take his team wherever he decides to be next and make them a viable contender. Now, do I believe that he could be a good head coach for the Dallas Cowboys? The answer to that question is no. And the main reason I'm saying no to that is Jerry Jones. Do I believe that Jerry Jones was going to give Sean Payton the ultimate power and the ultimate respect to do whatever he wants with the Dallas Cowboys and Jerry Jones get out of the way? No. Because if that was the case, Jerry Jones would have had Jimmy Johnson as a head coach for much longer than his 5-10 to year run that he had. I believe that Jerry Jones still wants too much power and too much control being the owner of the Dallas Cowboys. And I mean, how can I blame him, right? He's a billionaire. He's the one who's paying the players of the Dallas Cowboys. 
but I feel like he wants his fingerprint and blueprint all over the Dallas Cowboys because he feels like he didn't get enough credit when the Dallas Cowboys won in the 90s. And if that's the case, then be the head coach yourself. Don't hire somebody else to be the figurehead for if the Dallas Cowboy loses, we can fire him and then that's kind of it. Because, I mean, I don't feel like Mike McCarthy is really the head coach right now anyway. To me, it feels like Jerry Jones is operating from both the operations standpoint as far as behind the scenes and he's trying to operate from the field as well. Because he's basically on a radio show every week talking about his Dallas Cowboys throughout the NFL season. And I feel like that's the thing that only head coaches do. And most people who are head coaches in that role don't really like talking to the media that much anyway. They try to stay away from the media as much as they possibly can. And they just sit back in their office or from their house or from wherever they decide to do their football stuff. And they just go to work. They don't really try to be in the media. I mean, they do it because they know it's a part of their contract and there's their obligation as a head coach of an NFL team. But it's nothing they just want to go out and do. Circling back to Sean Payton, I don't believe that Jerry Jones is going to allow Sean Payton to do everything that Sean Payton wants to do. And if that's the case, I don't think Sean Payton will accept this job. I think Sean Payton has proven himself that he's a great head coach and he could take his team to places that the Dallas Cowboys have not been in 30 years. And I feel like if you're not going to trust Sean Payton to do his job and get out of the way, Jerry Jones, then Sean Payton is not coming to your organization. Because Sean Payton does not like the type of person who wants to put up with Jerry Jones' mess and sit back in the media and answer questions about what Jerry Jones said throughout the week. Transitioning from the NFL and into the NBA, I want to talk about the number one thing that everyone is talking about in the NBA right now, and that's James Harden in the Philadelphia 76ers. So it is a relatively small sample size considering that they've only played two games since time of recording of this podcast. But the 76ers have played two games and they've won both of those games handily. And right now, James Harden is averaging 28 points, 10 rebounds, and 14 assists. Joel Embiid is averaging 35 points and 10 rebounds since Harden has begun playing with the 76ers. So through two games, it's been a wild success for the 76ers. And there are four games in between this podcast and the next podcast that you guys will hear. And we'll have to see what we think about them then. The next four games are against the Cavaliers, the Knicks, the Heat, and then the Bulls. Granted, the 76ers have already played one time against the Knicks so far with James Harden, so I'm not really looking forward to seeing how that game goes, or the game against the Cavaliers, which has the potential. They've been hit with the injury bug lately, so that game may not be as exciting. But we know that the Bulls and the Miami Heat are two teams that they're going to have to look forward to playing against in the playoffs. They may not play both of them, but they're more than likely going to have to play at least one of them. And at that point, we will see how we feel about James Harden and the 76ers when they play against those teams and that type of competition. And you know, from talking about James Harden, we now have to talk about Ben Simmons. And of course, the story with Ben Simmons is, when will he play? And I think that's kind of an interesting story to talk about because we really don't know what type of shape he's in. For anyone who's ever played basketball themselves, they know that being in like physical shape and being in basketball shape is two completely different things. You can be in good physical shape and, you know, be able to jog, do some cardio for 30, 45 minutes. But going up and down on the basketball court with all the things going on, 
is a whole different ball game that some people just don't realize because they don't play it. They think that it's a small court. They see all the yards on the NFL field and believe that anybody could play basketball. Granted, yes, you can play basketball, but can you play basketball at the highest level going for as long as these NBA players do? That is the one thing that I do like about basketball in general is that anybody can technically play the game of basketball. It's not hard to pick up a basketball and then shoot it into a hoop. But can you play the actual game of basketball? It's much more difficult to do that. Now, circling back to Ben Simmons, right? He hasn't played basketball all year. And we know that when he was with the 76ers, he wasn't really participating with the 76ers at all. So now you're dealing with a player who may be in some type of shape, but not an NBA basketball playing shape. According to the head coach of the Brooklyn Nets, Steve Nash, Ben Simmons is currently dealing with some back tightness, and we'll have to see how long it takes for him to get past that. And when you talk about the timetable for Ben Simmons, right, you kind of got to look at the Brooklyn Nets schedule. And I have three dates in mind, so stay with me here. March 8th, March 13th, in March 27th. So if he doesn't start playing by March 8th against the Hornets, I don't believe that he's gonna make that March 10th game against the 76ers. I don't believe he won his first game back to be against the 76ers. Now on the flip side, it does look like Kevin Durant is more likely to return within the next two to three days. So let's say he does return, then cancel everything I just said. But if he doesn't return, for the sake of this argument, let's hear Ben Simmons' upcoming schedule, starting from that first date on March 8th. So assuming he's back on that day, this would be his welcome back to the NBA lineup, right? His first game back on the 8th would be against the Hornets. His second game back would be Philly, at Philly. His third game back would be home against the Knicks. The fourth game would be at Orlando. Fifth game would be up against the Mavericks. Sixth game would be against the Blazers. Seventh game against the Utah Jazz. 8th game against Memphis Grizzlies, and his ninth game on March 26th, the day before that March 27th I was talking about, would be up against the Miami Heat. So ideally, I would hope that Ben Simmons would be playing on the 8th or after that game against Philly, because on the 13th he can get a couple good games against the Knicks, Orlando, and then he would have one tough game against Luka where he would have to guard Luka most likely, that would be his primary defensive assignment. And then he will be playing against the Blazers who are without Dame Lillard right now. So that could be a breeze. And then he has the Utah Jazz. And then he has John Moran, Memphis, and then Jimmy Butler in the Miami Heat. So I think this would be kind of ideal for him to start on March 8th or March 13th. Now here's one story that I found interesting that I didn't even have planned to talk about on this podcast, but as I was doing some last minute notes, I seen and was like, nah, let me talk about that. What if I told you that Kobe Bryant had signed with Turner Sports? So yes, Kobe Bryant on the inside the NBA crew with Chuck, Kenny, Shaq, and Ernie. And then you hear Kobe Bryant as well. That would have been insane and I would have loved to have seen that on television. So Charles Barkley, also known as Chuck, was talking on a different podcast with Draymond Green, and he was explaining to Draymond that Kobe Bryant had basically signed already with TNT and then was kind of going over the things he would have to do with TNT and then decided, nah, this isn't for me. What are those things, you ask? 
Great question. I'm here to answer them for you. So Kobe Bryant basically was willing to talk NBA, but he didn't really want to deal with the promotional aspect of TNT. He didn't really want to go through the weekly interviews on different random radio shows to have them to talk about sports and kind of promoting himself being on TNT. He wanted to just talk about the game of basketball and that be it. And how can I blame him, right? We all know from the stories of Kobe Bryant that he was obsessed with the game of basketball and that was really it. Now, of course, it seemed that he was transitioning post-basketball very well, but he still had a love and passion for the game. So much so that he was running an AAU team for his girls team and his daughter Gianna. So even in his post-NBA career, he was still around the game of basketball, albeit with his children. So you can't really blame Kobe Bryant for not really wanting to take part in anything else that wasn't related to the game of basketball itself. The last NBA story that I want to talk about would be how I, me personally, would fix the Los Angeles Lakers. As we know, the Los Angeles Lakers came in with higher expectations. I mean, myself, I didn't believe they could win the championship the way they were constructed. I do believe they had a lot of good, older, veteran players, but I didn't really see them as viable contenders. But I mean, we didn't really expect them to be playing for the play-in tournament right now in the NBA from the Western Conference. With that being said, how I would fix the team currently. There are a couple of players that you're going to have to cut. Now, they did release DeAndre Jordan and they added DJ Augustine. Do I believe that was a good like one for one? No, not really, but we'll see what happens, right? Now, you could say that DJ Augustine can be that new quote-unquote point guard instead of Russell Westbrook. You could have Russell Westbrook play like the six-man role, which is where I want to get to, right? Now, with DJ Augustine, could he play that backup point guard role or essential two-guard role? Maybe. But he's not really helping you from the starting five standpoint. You know that LeBron James likes to control the ball and control the flow for the offense of the Lakers. So you don't really need a point guard on the floor. You could use another body that can help guard someone on the floor. And I don't think that DJ Augustine is that player. So how do I fix the Lakers? Well, first, you got to wrap Anthony Davis in bubble wrap. I mean, once he gets healthy, you basically tell him, okay, you're going to play basketball, and that's it. You, you put him in bubble wrap. You find him a dietitian. You say, okay, this is what you can eat. This is what you can do. And you stick to this regimen until the NBA season is over. NBA season plus postseason. You got to find a way to keep him healthy and upright. Now, assuming you have him healthy and upright, you got to start cutting some players. I'm cutting Kent Bazemore, Trevor Reza, Wayne Ellison, Mason Jones, and Wayne Gabriel. I don't even know who that last player is. I didn't know he was on the team. But that being said, you cut off five of those players. Now you're asking, how do you fill up the roster cutting off five of those players? You go straight to the G League and you look for four to five players from there. And the players that I'm looking at are going to be Leandro Ball, Kosas Antetokounmpo, and Cassius Stanley. And you want to probably add another big. And if you don't want to add a big, you might as well add the other Antetokounmpo brother and Alex. And what you could say, hey, you four players right here, I'm going to start playing y'all some minutes right now so y'all can be ready for our playoff push. I want y'all to be some two-way players, maybe knock a few shots down, maybe get a couple buckets. But I want y'all to primarily focus on playing good defense and crashing the boards so we can get this thing up and moving. And rounding up our big three, it's time to talk about video games. 
like I said from the top, I want to talk about the top five games of the year so far and the top five games to come. Now, the first two games I'm going to list here aren't really games that came out in 2022, but they are prominent in 2022. And I want to start there. Now, the first game that I want to talk about is actually a game that started off as a mobile game, but you can also play it on computer and on PlayStation as well. That being Genshin Impact. Now, what is Genshin Impact, you may ask? Let me tell you. Let's say you were playing a collector game such as Pokemon and you decided to infuse it with The Legend of Zelda, where it's an open world experience, kind of like Breath of the Wild. And then you were like, you know what? Let's add some anime flavor. That's Genshin Impact. Genshin Impact is a game where you collect characters and you go around this vastly expanded world that's being expanded on a monthly basis, semi-monthly basis. So the game is still pushing out new content and you just go around and all these different characters have different abilities and you find a way to make these characters work together and form different reactions. And with these reactions, you find ways to clear different content within the game. Our second game that we must talk about, I did give you a mobile game, so now I want to give you one of the more popular genres right now being Battle Royale, that being Apex Legends. Now I know, I know, at one point Apex Legends had fallen off because of a lot of matchmaking issues, but that is no longer the case. I feel like Apex Legends is the best Battle Royale out right now, one being that it's free, so anybody can just download the game and pick it up, right? And secondly, if you want to compare it to some of its other competitors, right, it's a type of game that there is a high skill cap, but it doesn't feel like you're bottlenecking players from playing the game. What do I mean? So if you're playing a game such as PUBG, if you're not in a team with a bunch of players that you already know, that's not a game that you can really just pick up and enjoy. And in games such as Fortnite, if you're playing on PC and you're playing with other people who are playing on, let's say, their phone or on Xbox, it's not the same experience because people on PC have macros and they can find a way to build much faster than you. Now, Call of Duty Warzone is probably the most comparable, but at the same time, they have a paywall in Call of Duty. What do I mean? So if you're playing Call of Duty and you buy the battle pass, you get exclusive perks that you will not get if you don't pay for it. So you'll have an innate advantage against players who refuse to pay for it, or maybe some who can't afford to pay for it. And that right there gets Apex Legends to clear win to me. Our third game is going to be Horizon Forbidden West. Now, Horizon Forbidden was is kind of a game that's hard to explain without really spoiling things for you. So my best advice is spend about five to ten minutes of your day and go look at trailers from the original Horizon Zero Dawn. And then go look at Horizon Forbidden West and just look at how good the game looks to play. I mean, it's such a beautiful looking game. It's a game that you log into the game itself and you can see how beautiful the game looks how much work the developers put into the game, how smooth the controls feel. Everything about the game is just a very good experience and I can recommend it to anyone. The only downside that I can say to the game is if you're not a fan of the hack slash roll mechanic, then it may not be exactly for you, but it's not all hack slash roll. There are ways to work around that. And if you can work around it, you can enjoy the game. Now, the fourth game that I want to talk about is Elden Ring. Now, Elden Ring is a successor to Dark Souls, so you kind of get an idea of where the game is. It is 
from what I understand, a hack slash roll type game. So it's not going to be a game for me, per se. But a lot of people like these type of games, similar to Dark Souls, because it kind of gives you a higher than average learning curve. And it takes a while to master that type of game. But unlike Dark Souls, this game is completely open world. So it is kind of interesting to play a Dark Souls-like game that's no longer linear. You have a literal vast world around you. So that's kind of a way to bring other players in who don't typically play the Dark Souls franchises. And from what I've seen, it seems like you have to learn the mechanics of a boss. Because if not, you will get beat. You can't just walk up on a boss and think you're going to win. You got to find a way to study it, figure out his movements, and kind of like a turnstile type battle. You see the move that they make, and then you counteract and make the move. Our fifth game that we must talk about is Pokemon Legends Arceus. Now to me, Pokemon Legends Arceus is probably the best Pokemon game of all time. But if we're not considering it a true Pokemon game in the sense of a true Pokemon game, I'm going to call it the best Pokemon spinoff game of all time. Either way, the vastly open world, the way you approach the game, the way that you're no longer having to worry about battles, you don't have to go against a particular gym, you're just going around completing the first ever Pokédex, you're helping Pokémon across the region, you're helping different teams and factions across the region. It's a breath of fresh air from the collect 8 badges, go to the Elite 4, maybe have to deal with some type of team along the way, where insert team name here is going after insert box legendary Pokémon here, in an effort to conquer the world. Now the top five games yet to come, I'm looking at God of War Ragnarok, and of course, it's God of War. Now why am I interested in this one in particular? We see what looks like Atreus grown up somewhat. He may be a teenager, he may be a grown adult, but either way, we see a older version of him, and I'm curious to see where they take the story with him. Now, Breath of the Wild 2 is another game that I'm looking forward to. Not only because Breath of the Wild 1 was such a great game, but they made another game that was kind of pre-Breath of the Wild. Now, I can't even remember the name of it right now, and it's not really worthy to talk about, in my opinion, because it was kind of like that Xenoblade type style where it's a bunch of monsters that kind of hoard you and you attack them, and it just kind of like hack, slash, and run where you're destroying mobs of them at one time. And that's just not really my style of game. It isn't a way to interest someone who played the Breath of the Wild game. But that being said, I am looking forward to Breath of the Wild too. Game number eight is going to be Gotham Knights. And I'm curious because we heard a lot about it early, but not as much about it lately. And I thought a good time to release a game would be right when the new Batman movie comes out, which is going to be this weekend. So it's a missed opportunity from my perspective as like a free promotion. But either way, this game takes place in a post-Batman world where Batman is no longer running the streets of Gotham. But there are some other teenagers out there who take Batman's place. Those teenagers slash young adults being Robin, who is Tim Drake, Batgirl, who is Barbara Gordon, Nightwing, who is Dick Grayson, and of course Jason Todd being Red Hood. And for someone who enjoyed all the Batman Arkham games, I am really looking forward to this game as well. It'll probably be one of the few games that I decide to spend money on because a lot of games that I play are mostly free to play, but I'm interested in this one. Our fourth game that we're going to talk about is Pokemon Scarlet and Pokemon Violet. Now I'm not 
too excited about this game just yet because I'm still riding the high from Pokemon Arceus. So we'll see. But it looks like they're going to play Pokemon Scarlet and Violet in a Pokemon Arceus style world where it's more open world. And if that's the case, then I'm going to love this game and I'm going to play it so, so much. But I don't want to set my expectations too high because I expect the same mantra of collect eight badges, insert team here, and go battle the Elite Four. And finally, the game that I'm the most excited for for 2022 is Mario Strikers. I have been waiting for a new Mario Strikers since 2009, maybe. It's right around the time the Wii came out. So that's when Mario Strikers came out previously. So it's been at least a decade since I've played a Mario Strikers game. And I'm looking forward to playing the new one once that comes out this upcoming summer. That's a game that I'm going to play so, so much. And now I'm just hoping that Nintendo is going to do the right thing and see the success of Mario Strikers. And they're going to bring back Mario Hoops 3v3. That will be the cake for me. But that's it for this week's podcast, you guys. I do want to thank you guys for tuning in to my podcast. Be sure to tune in next week when we talk about the latest quarterback drama in the NFL. A interesting theory on Zion Williamson that I have. And of course, more video game content. This has been the Marquee Lounge Podcast with your host, Shaquan Marquise. And I'll see you guys again, same time next week. Peace out, everyone.